I prepared for this podcast, presumably the same way Chandler prepared to defend the title, by pouring some vodka, having a beer, and not showing up. Which is how you know he might have uh, accidentally lost a parlay for me that I was pretty excited about. The type of verbal tap to show the proof's fighting proof much easier from outside the cage, depending who your bookie is. With me, of course, Raph as Barza. Raph, how are you? Did you see the fights live? I did. Guess who decided to step up to the microphone as we started, which is my French bulldog, Lucy. Would you like to say something? No. People can hear you. We can't hear. You can say something. No? All right. It's riveting radio. All right, Lucy. For those keeping track, it took Raph exactly... 10 months of dog ownership to become that dad and i'm impressed <laughs> i followed lucy for over three years i'll have you know oh my God. <laughs> time's not great my, I, too much recreational drug use that's my bad wow. kevin what time continuum have you been living in um fights were great <laughs> chandler upset a lot of people uh didn't upset me because i was team charlie olives so was very pleased um but there are a lot of people who were very sad and Maybe understandably so. There's a lot of other reasons to be sad. There's a lot of reasons to be happy. One of them is not our guest. I would like to welcome him back to the show, ladies and gentlemen, for the purpose of our conversation today. The other Kevin, Kevin Bradley. Kevin, how are you doing, sir? Boom. Happy to be back, Raph. Happy to be back. Um, And I think that you summed it up really well. There's a lot to be happy about. A lot to be sad about. Uh, I know I'm... I was rooting for Chandler, but happy that Charlie Olives took the W. I am sad that it is likely the end of of uh, Tony time. Feeling sad about that, but I'm sure we'll get into it, among other things. It's been the end of Tony time for years, and people are still on the train. I saw, Kevin, I kid you not, again this weekend, people were going after he lost to Benil Darouche in very, very not fun to watch fashion people go you know what i think i've seen all you need to see now him versus khabib i have my evidence we say this so many times on the show go back and listen to the last tony ferguson fight one of these things review episodes because we said that then go back and listen to the one before that we said that then too we have seen that evidence multiple times and yet People still believe in the Tony Ferguson. Now, don't conflate that with, it's not like we dislike him. It's just that we got to our point of, you have done enough. Now, Kevin, I know you didn't get to see all of these fights. I would like you to ask me the most pressing question you have at the top of your head right now. Wasn't Ferg's the one that, hit his shin on a pole and yes. sidelined him briefly. Okay. Well then I'll let um someone who's not gonna have much rain at the name of Kevin for much longer, that's a spoiler alert, have a go at the question. <laughs> Knock yourself out, Bradley. What's your most pressing question? How much I, was the I, I actual feed? <laughs> weirdly weirdly enough, I want to open it to both of you because I think it's a question both of you can ask even though KP did jack shit and has no idea of anything that happened on the card. Um, I, one of the big things that I hated seeing afterwards was that Tony Ferguson was bragging that he didn't tap to the leg lock 
And as two seasoned grapplers, I know that that speaks to like the casual fan base, like the the tap out crowd, like, oh, dude, he didn't tap. Do you guys hate seeing that when people brag about not tapping? Because I fucking hate it. I'm always in if you want to be in denial of something. I mean, from a jujitsu perspective, like for me, I'm I'm braggadocious about when I do tap. It was like I probably could have stuck around, but felt good to get out of there. Oh, uh, so you're an asshole. Yeah, sure. <laughs> for this instance, I dig it. I love it when people walk out of a fight and it's like, you know, I didn't really think I was out, but Herb Dean called it. It's like, well, you were unconscious for physically eight seconds. It's like that's usually my refractory <laughs> period. I bounce right back. And that was, it's just my, I love it after you're, and I mean, I presumably didn't get caught in any leg locks because it says lost via decision. No, yeah, yeah he, he stuck it out and, you know, it, it worked out for him. I just don't like the fact he took to Twitter to brag about it. I'm like, that's like, don't set that example, man. Like, I love it. We're gonna be idiots. <laughs> if you are looking up to Tony Ferguson for being an example, I believe shame on you. That's, that's that a very good point. <laughs> I, I would like to point this out, which is Benil Darush was very, very good at a game plan. He upset a lot of the people I was watching the fight with. Um, most of them seemed to cite him for boredom in terms of the fight. But I was like, dude, how are you supposed to beat Tony? You have to come in with a very particular style. And they're like, well, what he's going to do? He's going to stand up with them? No. He's just going to wrestle him on the ground and just beat him positionally, I guess. And I go, that does win the fight, too. So may not be the most exciting. Though I argue seeing Benil Darush go for a heel hook was interesting, if not 100% perfect. Now, Darush was saying that he felt a pop in Tony Ferguson's knee and... If you go back and look at that heel hook. That checks out. Everyone that's ever trained to Teddy Ferguson is like, oh, yeah, his knees pop. Same. The heel hook that he was applying was deficient of top pressure. So Tony bragging about not tapping is not something I love. But in this particular case, I was kind of like, I mean, there's no, there's no, like, Binding that knee down, it's just, he, it's a very bad angle. And yeah, I'm sure it probably did pop in and out because Tony's fucking crazy. Kevin mentioned he's had his shin basically conditioned by a steel pole to the point where when he was walking over wires, a fight got canceled. So Yeah, but you should have seen the steel pole, Raph. It couldn't fight either. That thing was <laughs> fucked up. I mean, he was bragging about, like, doing, like, single-leg squats on the leg that was ruined, like, four months ago. So, I really don't know how tied down he is to reality. So, that's part of the thing that we're talking about is, yes, there was a heel hook. It was the move of that fight. It was weird. He was just so dominated it was then begging people on the internet to come up with a potential final match for him because they're thinking he might be on his way out so they said you know who else is on a three loss skit why not him and cowboy phillips how do you feel about cowboy versus tony ferguson dose 
sad. That's probably <laughs> yeah. that's probably not the feeling I'm supposed to have, but it's just uh, deep sadness. Thank you. For that asking. was literally like I didn't think sadness, but I thought of like a groaning sound. That's the first thing that came to my mind. I want to revisit watch. what my first true question is about these fights. Did Tony Ferguson finally walk out to Will I Am and Fergie's Fergalicious? No, unfortunately not. That's I ain't easy. I ain't sleazy. I got reasons why I tease him. Boys just come and go like seasons. He missed an opportunity, and that was to knock someone out with a little bit of femininity. That's sad. Well, it's even more sad that he didn't try and wrap the parts because Tony Ferguson is the type of guy who would actually walk out and rap his own theme song. But if he had just started with "Listen Up, Y'all" when they gave him the mic, I'd have been. <laughs> in and i have no further questions about the event thank you you two have a good uh, yeah that, that, we we have a lot more to talk about unfortunately uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well kevin we should also inform you there was a weird element that happened from benil derush we'll get to him i do want to I hear guess. about so darius tries to heel hook him that's noteworthy mm-hmm. otherwise does he win this fight pretty convincingly is it is oh it... yeah no it was from i it, my stream cut out like for parts of different rounds, but for every Thanks every for time I was first, able to get it back, yeah. he was pretty pretty dominant. I know that I, I can't remember if it was this fight or a different one on the card. Did like Tony go for like a darse at the end? Like was he Tony on Tony was trying to darse him the entire time. Yeah. Literally every Same. single yeah. offensive move from Tony Ferguson was he's punching me, let's try and darse him. He's passing my guard, darse. Uh, standing guillotine? No, Dars. Like that was his thing, and for most people, I'm sure it actually comes in handy uh, when they're grappling against him. His arms are very long. He has a very unorthodox style, so I'm sure he lands it surprisingly on a number of people. But if even you're looking at Benil Darush's form when he came in to get, say, like a snatch single his posture was just too good. So even when he was trying to like guillotine Dariush, he just literally had no time because Dariush had perfect positioning for it. So well, it was mean, not great. Statistically, that makes sense for Tony. I mean, he like he literally does have the record for most Darce chokes in the UFC. So I I get mentally where why you would just fall to it if you're him. <laughs> I'm not sure I follow that logic, but I'm in. I, I don't know enough about the Darce record in the UFC. It's like Tony Ferguson's been fighting for a half century. Does that have anything? Yeah, that's with? very I don't true. Know. I don't I I I'm yeah, I struggle whenever I try and dissect a guy like Tony. That's that's like trying to dissect Diego Sanchez right now. Like where how far are you gonna get? <laughs> Fair. Um there was an odd moment, and I don't know if you saw this in your watching of the event, uh, K-Brads, but there was a certain dedication that happened from Benil Jarush at the end. Oh, was this to, to about the Tesla? Was, was that it? No, we'll get to that, that one yet, because there was a two-for-one on that one. The first one was him saying, hey... Uh, Elon, where's my Tesla? And then afterwards, 
he clarified that by saying, I ordered one like last March and I still haven't gotten it because they're on back order demand. I just like to get it. And then I guess somebody on press row mentioned, don't you know that Elon Musk is kind of an investor in the UFC now, all things considered? He goes, oh, well, then, Mr. Elon Musk, I would like my car, please. And he did get a response from Elon Musk. It's very weird. I don't understand why to, people are gaga for it, but whatever. I'm ready to do just a public culture joke, just a pop culture okay. joke. And Keegan Michael Key was like, hey, Elon, where's my monologue song? I don't know if I have enough frame of reference. No, to get no, that. you're good. I guess it's only for people that watch SNL and really deeply analyze it. So I know just, he was uh, on, and it was like it, he bombed apparently. But other than that, I, I nothing. Sorry, <laughs> that is how I would describe the opening number. <laughs> but okay, oh, okay, cool. Did my best. It was on the fly. We'll just uh, give it a split decision. Let's just say that Elon Musk's opening monologue was trying to humanize a robot to the point where even the audience, oh, wait. when his mom come out. Who bombed? Uh, Hold on. Kevin Bradley, did you say Keegan-Michael Key or Elon bombed? Who was the bomber? Elon. Oh, disagree. Yeah. Sorry, Raph. Back to you. Oh, I didn't. I, I didn't see it. I was just looking. I was oh, looking. I at thought like, Elon public. kind of was pretty funny and above average. Actually, I had I very low Keegan's expectations for like Elon. Boring. And... I had very low expectations for Elon, and they did a passable job. Enough. Agreed. Not, like, you fun. know. Um, having said that, though, I thought that uh, if you guys are going to watch anything and you're listening, go watch the uh, Statler and Ward off Michael Keegan Key uh, sketch with that one because that is very good. I very much appreciate that. Let's get back to the fights, Kevin. <laughs> the dedication that was on this one, Benil Dariush dedicated his win. To all of those affected by Marxist ideologies. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. No, he, no, don't. You can go look it up. I'll give you time to go ahead. Damn it. Google search okay. that. Kevin, what is your initial response to Kay Phillips? <sighs> For or against? If you dedicate it to people of the Marxist society or people that were victims, I'm sorry, could you rephrase? I didn't follow who it was. If it was in, pr- this is a common thing I struggle with these days. In favor of or against? Seems like it was against. And he also wanted to make sure to thank Christ because if anybody was responsible for reading up Tony Ferguson, let's put it on the big guy upstairs. Okay, so. Um, Marxism. I do not... real quick. I, I do remember that part of my Catholic school upbringing where we we read the story in in uh, Exodus where fucking Michael the Archangel had to cast El Kakui out of heaven and and smote him into the earth. Yeah, that makes total fucking sense there. You guys got the recycled Hispanic Bibles. It's fine. You're welcome. Yeah, King, King Juan. <laughs> this one. <laughs> <laughs> So Marxism, I I'll go back to this. What I think is basically a critique of capitalism. So I'm gonna struggle with this again because it's like he was basically like I am pro Marxism, which is interesting. You are giving him so much. Like you're delving so much. Political. He doesn't bring up Marx if he didn't read something, right? He's not like Karl Marx had great thoughts. I googled it. Do you really think he gives a shit? Because I think it's as easy as he knows the company management leans a certain way and saw, oh, hey, everyone, 
like mostly loved it when Rose said the things about uh, the the Chinese lady. So I got to do it. I fucking I I don't know, man. No, I think the, he's the, doing the opposite. I think he's taking China's side, which is to separate myself from from your specific analogy. But I think he's praising communism. Am I wrong, no. Raf? Where are we at here? Yeah. Can you He's help me speech this? Not, not praising them. He's not. So it's for <laughs> Marxism or against it? It's against it. It's against Marxism. Oh, oh, okay, okay. So, damn it. Okay, now I completely reverse. Now I'm back. Now I follow exactly what's happening. He's pulling a much nerdier version of what Colby Covington's trying to do. Wow, mm. zero yeah. chance. This isn't. We already know he failed. If you had to Google the term they reference to follow along with exactly what they're saying ideologically, that's not particularly clear. There I'm few... not about to offer like deeply, like in like in depth, like analyses of the writings of Marx on the Verbal Tap podcast. No offense, Raf and Kevin, but he I argued do for a worker like... revolution, Mr. Bradley, be... which is something you can directly relate to as it deals with your podcast promiscuity. And I think this is a larger lesson for the audience, which is have you stopped and said the words, does capitalism work recently? I feel like you can just go back to my first appearance on the verbal tap podcast to get a pretty good idea of where I stand on workers rights. (laughs) gonna just i'm just gonna fully defer to that that one i want to plug the last episode if you haven't heard it he's talking about what he got in a fight with a meth family so stop this one go listen to that one because you're gonna want to hear every bit of that story come back and join us there we go i i think what kevin phillips actually illustrates right now better than any of the rhetoric that we are espousing is as follows the message can be confusing when it's not direct So when he comes out and dedicates it to the victims of Marxism, you think to yourself, who was betting on a fight to show me the way? More importantly, what the fuck do you mean? I don't think you know what you mean. I think you're trying to string together a really stupid argument that might sound like pro-USA, let's go. It's one rally the troops aside from doing something the, otherwise, we look at you, Benny Darush, and we think you're a pretty nice guy. I feel we like, especially not to not to get too political here, but victims of Marxism. I'm pretty sure there's some like members of worker unions that are like, yeah, you know, we we ended up pretty okay. Y'all you know, are gonna dig this better. to your point. Life got better. Hold on, victims of communism, which is what you get when you type in victims of Marxism, which is how I know he read like one article and feels good. Right under that, it's victims of capitalism. It's like, oh, shit. <laughs> so your Most... point, sorry, go back. <laughs> go ahead. You're right. It's just one article's like, you're, we're right. The other one's like, ah. <laughs> I, I bet it's as simple as, you know, he got a DM from Dana just going, hey, check out this, like, funny article, you mook. <laughs> it sounds more like he wants to get his time on Fox News. If is you really say what this, I will to. give you a million dollars, and you, but you just can't tell anyone I ever did it. <laughs> Raph, Fox would be the first to tell you our audience isn't a big Karl Marx. They don't follow. They, they, sorry, we don't use. We keep it surface level. I'm just saying Dana White was recently on Hannity saying he doesn't try to shove politics down anybody's throat while appearing on Sean Hannity. So 
How many times did he endorse Trump? <laughs> uh, that's neither here nor there. What is here is the fact that Benil Jarouche beat Tony Ferguson, cuts a weird promo that people go, man, I think that's getting him over. And if it does, more power to him. But it was incoherent and absolutely ridiculous. And yet he might get his Tesla as a result of that. So maybe not ineffective, but I just remember looking at it and going, I don't think anybody else here knows what he's saying, but it really goes well with the drunken crowd. Let's get to the main event. Time out. As we yeah. get to the main event, there's a, there's a very specific irony as I, as I hear all of these pieces put together where you mm. criticize Marxism and Tesla in the same few comments. Mm -hmm. That, ladies and gentlemen, is what Atlantis Morissette was singing about. Go ahead. Chucky Olives is back in the driver's seat. He already had a fucking parade. I'm in. Yeah. That is the unfortunate part about everybody being all in on Michael Chandler. There was a lot of talk with my friends who were saying, you got to like Michael Chandler, though. You got to be rooting for him. I was like, why? And they go, you, you do. And they go, okay, well, why? And they go, because look at him, man. Mm, okay. What about Charlie Olives? They're like, what about him? I go, have you not seen that this man has been on an impressive streak? He's had to get so many wins. He's literally part of the UFC's bullet point presentations in terms of most fill in the blank. And yet had not gotten his title shot until some happenstance. Whereas dude from Bellator comes in, knocks out one person. They go, yeah, that's okay. Let's get him into this. So, yeah, I, I think it's pretty okay to say I, i'd like to see charlie olives win it and i'll tell you this it was a thrilling first round k brads your interpretation of the first round please i was so shocked and i was so happy the entire time just because if i was just like if we get five rounds of that this is like this is gonna be a, a fight of the year contender just because it was incredibly back and forth but a lot of dominance from Chandler early on. We saw him go in on a crazy, like it looked a tight guillotine, even though the arm was in. Like the, the fight could just end there. Oliveira fought out of it. And then he manages to get back control. And then I think, oh, the fight's over. Even the commentary team's like, oh, he's got the back. He's going to be able to just like bide his time and work from there, get in some shots. Chandler escapes, is able to throw in some big shot it was j the definition of back and forth and i was just so happy um yeah and i thought chandler looked the the more aggressive fresher guy i didn't i didn't look at the scorecards i know some people said that the scorecards uh, for a lot of the fights that night were bullshit but and some people said that the round was judged badly but i just remember thinking chandler's looking better going into round two and then everything changed uh KP, did you did you end up seeing any any highlights from the fight? I did, and I have a question for you both. Was he not out? And I'm not asking just for my parlay, but it really looks like at one moment <laughs> he was not out because that did happen multiple times throughout yeah. that evening. And I will I will re-reference one of which in a few moments. But uh, no, he was there, and that the beautiful part about that is the control in which you get out of a guillotine as someone with inherent guillotine defense, just based on the size and position of my head, I can tell you there is a certain angle you keep that keeps you with a pocket of air. And 
I wasn't worried about the guillotine as much as I was worried about, oh, Charlie Olives, we cannot let him get out of that back control because that back control is literally the shit we try to tell people. You know, that shouldn't really happen. If you have the back and you got a body triangle, you should be able to keep the person close to you. Oh, he just spun into him and then he got out. Okay, yeah, that works too. That's fine. So you're saying from a PR position for jujitsu, this isn't a good look, fam. (laughs) I wasn't a fan of it in that moment because I saw how close he could start to maneuver. This is where you get those EBI overtime round moments where or extra family members in the meth house, Raph, if we want to use the mm-hmm. metaphor that hits home. Fair. Yeah, I, I was lost until you brought it there, KP. Thank you. <laughs> but if you lose the positioning of your chest to their back and the head position uh, that you're supposed to fight and keep aggressively, it can be difficult. So that even the most subtle of uh, movements of trying to move the hips allow you to kind of spin into the guy again. So it it was a huge moment for me to see that because I go, man, I don't think it's over, but three minutes is a lot of time to work from having somebody compromise your back. And he threw a few shots. And I have to say, when I saw all these people talking about how Chandler was turning it up, I did see the influence of the commentary with how people responded. Because I was like, dude, this is a good fight. But at no point did I sit there and think, Chandler's going to win this. I was like, no, I mean, it's it's definitely more competitive again, but that back control was huge for me. The guillotine wasn't that big, but it was interesting to see. It was a good way to start. It was excitement to it. And if anything, I go, okay, well, I think Charlie Olives knows what to do. And what does Charlie Olives proceed to do, Kevin Phillips? Ask away, because I have a great interpretation as to what happens next. Well, I blow kisses to his performance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What did he do? Second round comes in, and the best meme I saw about it is there is somebody who is playing a video game, and it shows them from taking it lackadaisical and lying back to when you really start to play a video game, when you sit upright closer to the TV. And that's exactly how it happened, because Charlie Olives beat him on the feet at this point. He was beating him with great striking to the point where Chandler had that, oh no, I did something wrong and mom slapped me once and is gonna come find me again, sort of look in his face. And as he started to try and run away, he got swarmed by Charlie Olives. And I mean, the reaction timing, the hook from Chuck Olives, Mm, so good. We'll watch it. Recommend five out of five. I... I I don't know if that's necessarily fair to to Chandler. Just be like I'm not going into the striking versus striking just in terms of overall effort. Just because I would say that first round, I was amazed at how he was able to defend against uh, Charlie's guard. Just because off his back, Charlie was still shooting up for triangle attempts and like like hunting for the armbar. And I love. I want to take a second to appreciate the recognition of the threat. Like he was never so gun ho about attacking from in, like f- from inside the guard that he forgot about how dangerous he is off his back. And I thought that was one of the one of the real like pulse pounders for the first round for me. 
Those sound like odd things that you do not get points for doing in a fight. Like those sound like things that you just go, oh, well, okay. I mean, I'm speaking as a guy who is a highly defensive grappler and I like that art. But when I saw him doing it, I go, okay, well, he's got good recognition, but it's not increasing the amount of offense in those moments. It's like, okay, if I don't do this or if, I do X or Y or Z, I'm going to get caught. So I, I appreciate the excitement of what I saw, but I did notice a little bit of a weird sway. Uh, Cause again, I watch most of these things without the commentary and it was just as bad as you would think it was with at one point, Daniel Cormier talking about how much he loved the pink tie that John Anik was wearing. He looked at him and he goes, "You know I love that pink tie. Man, you look good in it. That's that's a, that's my favorite thing." And that's when people were fighting. So, when people remind me every once in a while and they're like, "Well, I think you're a little on DC." And I go, "People are fighting in front of them and that motherfucker's talking about shit like that and jokes and it is not fun to me." Yeah, would DC is not my favorite commentator he puts them boys on rock rock <laughs> we're done with tony ferguson you gotta I, stop i've been secretly <laughs> quoting lyrics to fergalicious you, you said you blow kisses to them who the fuck else it took a long time to get through half a part of that so i just listen back give me the credit post to the that's to the listeners rap um last notes on this one though Chucky Olives, okay. we done right. We're where yeah. are we at next fight for Chuck Olives? Uh, well, well, real quick, I just want to see how much, like, because one, I feel like he had maybe the most enjoyable reaction to winning that I've ever seen in like in my time as a fan of MMA. Just the energy he displayed, <laughs> the so, laps is running around the octagon. He, Hops the octagon, Kev, goes over the cage and immediately goes to Joe Rogan. And this I did appreciate because DC was trying to get some love and uh, Charlie Olives had no time for DC. Literally just lies down in front of Joe Rogan and it looks like he's saying to him non-verbally, I'm going to fuck you. I kid you not. Go look at that footage. He lies down in front of him. Chills. But, oh, no, he's not done. He goes into the crowd for some more let's get everybody hype. And I can give or take the whole going over the cage. It's an easy pop. But they were lining down the block. (laughs) It was fun. I mean, dude, I get it, man. He now has the famous infographic that at one point in the UFC, he was on a bad string of 10 and 8. And then he ended up going 8 and 0 in just a few years difference. So, I think if anybody who's really going to want to do a run around the cage, it's somebody like him. And, you know, it was just kind of nice because Dana probably was a little sad that the American guy (laughs) didn't win, that he could easily promote, and that the guy who ended up winning doesn't really speak English all that well. So, uh, you know, I kind of get it. I would tell you this. So you asked, where does this leave us? Well, I guess that depends on Dustin and Connor. Because they tried asking Dana in the post presser if Connor 
uh, and Dustin happens and Dustin wins. They didn't even really preface it with that. They just said, so Dustin's got to be the number one contender. And Dana just goes, uh, we'll have to see. Which tells me that Dana's holding out some hope that it's still Connor. I'm going to put so much money on Connor McGregor in the next fight. You cannot <laughs> fucking imagine how much money I'm putting on Connor. <laughs> I think he's going to take the cowboy dip. Connor gets a title shot before Dustin. That, that, I mean, well, he's he's on the books to fight Dustin when in Jul- July what? July. Yeah, July. Mm-hmm. So he that's like everything's on hold for a while. Obviously, other fights in the division in the division are going to happen. Um, yeah, though that's that's the big question. I'm going to see what I the feel bet- like if. Gregor Tonight, loses. I'm putting if money. Gregor loses, then White is just fucking. He's just gonna. Are you two in before I, I post care. this podcast? We we should put money collectively on Conor McGregor in the next fight. Oh, you looked up Dustin? the odds. Wait, against Dustin or? Oh yeah, no, no, no. Whatever Conor's next fight is, let's favor him because. It's not a coincidence he's the highest-paid athlete in professional sports right now. It has to do with a little thing called marketing. Raph, what are the odds? Well, it has a little thing to do with he he sold his company. It has nothing to do with being great at this. That company Ooh. money shouldn't qualify for this. That is so, like, I know, I don't want to take this off the rails. How fucking crazy is it that everyone's making a big deal that he's the high, like, not it highest is, paid, is highest a big deal. earning athlete because he sold the whiskey company that he started. It's Who a big else do we fucking have? deal. It's a big I, deal. I know it's a big deal, but people are acting like he gets paid more for his sport than Ronaldo does, which is just not true. Oh, hold on. I, this is helpful, though. That's true. You're saying I thought it was just based off of what he earns to show. Yeah, it's being it's manipulative, and that's what I don't like. Like I'm I'm not, not it is important. I just let's let's be honest about what it is. I want to make sure that's true. Go ahead, Raph. Let's be very clear. If anything, it's probably more commendable because it shows how much you are earning in your other part-time gigs. Than you are as a fighter. That's what I'm fact, saying. Anything doing whiskey commercials, differential than any other sport. The fact that he's beating LeBron James, my best friend, LeBron. at making money, it is incredible. Like Kevin, go that back. That is kind of crazy too, because LeBron won a title too. <laughs> Kevin, yeah, go back to let's say 2000. Two okay, and tell that version of yourself that that LeBron James in that era is going to do not only Space Jam two but win a title on the Lakers, and yet some dude fighting MMA is going to out earn him. And then if somebody says from MMA. You'll look at them and say, who the fuck cares? How do you make more money than LeBron James in Space Jam 2 on the Lakers after winning a title? Well, that can I phone a friend? Happen. Can I call Joe Wilk, who won $15 at a <laughs> casino in Topeka for fighting for his life in a not cage per se, but just what they had lying around, which is a ring? And it would be three years before people would even know what the fuck he was doing. Can I phone him 2002- first? 2002. 
I, I, so MMA is still outlawed in a lot of the country. It's still most outlawed of the theater. country. Yeah. Most of the country. McCain is, is alive and well to keep that, that fight alive. The biggest star at, in 2002 has to be either Couture or, or, um, Chuck Liddell, right? I don't, yeah, I don't okay. think we're there yet. Your honor. Are I'm we going to ask oh, for wait, relevance at some point? So, that's not even like the the U.S. What what are we on at that point? Like UFC 10. Does the Zufa deal happen at that point? My timeline is all fucked. I have no Bradley, idea. Bradley, get to a point sooner than later. I am entertaining this time travel. Okay, I don't. Scenario. I I would never believe it. I I'm gonna. I'm leveling with you. I would never believe I've it. I've googled right. it. I now can tell you who the stars of the UFC were in 2002. <laughs> This is good. Actually, I can tell you every event that happened in way less time because they held seven events, which they do in a calendar weekend now. <laughs> so this is great. <laughs> Matt Hughes versus Hayato Sakura drew no one. <laughs> Mario Bustamante versus Dave Mene drew no one. Their biggest card was, of course... Tito Ortiz defeating Ken Shamrock via TKO stoppage at UFC oh, 40 God. Vendetta. <laughs> Different time. Thinking about what LeBron James was doing when Ken, Ken Shamrock was the biggest draw in the sport. That yeah. is. Which does make me think Matt Hughes might be richer than we think. He fought three <laughs> times in this calendar year. and but this, But that's where it's like, I bet he made a lot of money. It's like, no. He made $8,000. He actually was still a part-time teacher during this time. It's like he he won three fights. It's like, yeah, no one gave a shit. He won $500 in a free breakfast buffet. This sucks. So let's just say this. When Conor McGregor shows up on a Forbes list, it sounds great. And I'm very pleased that it does give us the aspirations to greatness because we've seen boxers reach that before. And kudos to them. We've seen stars in different sports. We've seen Tiger Woods own it for years. And sometimes it just needs a little push to open the door. Do I think we're going to see it again with somebody else? Probably not from the UFC unless they cut like a really lucrative deal as well. I can't believe we haven't talked about Yagos yet. Christos, we're like 40 uh, I mean, minutes into this spot. This is there, taking some great directions. No, Kate you're Brad's not wrong. needed to take a venture to tell us who the biggest stars of 2002 were. And just to say, I agree <laughs> with you. So I'm going to say, I am promiscuous, thing. Raph. This isn't the Shut only the fuck <laughs> up. Stop quoting Fergie. You know, <laughs> this show has an anti Fergie bias because of what she did to my family back in the day. We'll leave it at that. I think we've covered it on a show. If we have it, go back and listen to all of them anyway. Here is what we are going to re-reference. At the beginning of the night, our good friend Christos Yagos was starting the card off. And Kev, he was getting tagged on the feet a little bit. One thing that I know about Christos that maybe not everybody else knows is that he's pretty durable. So, of course, the commentary was saying like, oh, Christos didn't like that, man. You can see it right there. Look at him. Look at he's dying right now. And I go, man, I've seen Christos take some rough shots and I've seen him when he's really in trouble. He's fine. But I'll give him the benefit of the doubt of I'm watching my friend. And lo and behold, come into round two, 
Christos is like, fuck trying to stand up with this guy forever. I'm going to take him down because I've had his back. If I can really just, oh, is this a Dars slash Anaconda joke? Oh, I'll just take that. And it was so nasty that when you asked, well, was one Charlie Olives out earlier in the night or later in the night? The answer was Charlie Olives wasn't out, but Christos's opponent was out by the end of that choke. Soriano got choke of the podcasted. Yep. So it was very impressive, Kevin. And uh, I haven't reached out to Christos yet, but I imagine we'll. I think we should talk to him him. about his victory, our victory, as we'll get to. But this was amazing. (laughs) This is the only fight I saw, by the way. (laughs) I was with (laughs) I was like, I got to watch Christos. We fought him. I feel a certain obligation. Thank God I didn't end up in his dars. That looked painful as shit. Loved it. Uh, That was the most excited I got. Brads, did anybody else impress you during the evening? Because I have some notes over some general parts of the fights, but is there anybody that really spoke out to you that evening? I, I really did. I wanted to... I wanted to loop back on Christos. I missed his fight, but I went back and and saw the highlights. And I would just like to briefly reiterate, like, holy shit. That that was beautiful. An incredible job, sir. If he is listening to this. He'll take your feedback and he'll feel better about himself, which is hard to do because he feels pretty good about himself. I mean, like, why, why the hell shouldn't he? That was That's awesome. Beautiful. He's just a handsome man. <laughs> Let's talk about also in the evening, uh, Edson Barbosa getting a massive knockout over Shane Burgos. Now, this, this is hurt weird... too, Raph, bank yeah. wise. I had a beautiful <laughs> look with the UFC bets. I've been getting a little, I got cocky. I admit that. But the Shane Burgos was a big time punishment for me. I don't know why you took this one. Uh, I could see the Ferguson of you wanting to really go on a crazy spree on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Edson Barboza one, I really didn't see happening for you, but I didn't <laughs> want to derail you from it. Here's why this one's interesting to me is that someone was watching this with us in a way that they described it that made me laugh. Because what you saw on screen was a delayed knockout. So somebody got hit so badly in the the face, in the head. And that is one Shane Burgos. And when he got hit, he like staggered back, had his hands up. And then it just sounded, Kevin, and I kid you not, like he had malfunctioned to the point that when he finally recognized that he had been hit, it was almost as if you had heard this sound. <laughs> it was the most remarkable thing. Because people were like, what the fuck just happened? And I think one of my buddies goes, yo, he got the death touch where he didn't even know he was dead until maybe two minutes afterwards. That's how effective Edson Barboza was. He, he rebooted someone's Apple system. I yes. that you and I were talking about um, Diego Sanchez's coach's shit 
when he was just slapping the shit out of him upside down. And you and I were like, we should do a video. It was like, who's going to lay upside down? It's like, whoever's more likely to get fucking punched. And then we got into an argument about the argument. We couldn't even get into who was going to be the person. I'm so mad at you because I wanted to do a video watching the video. And instead, you took it as, well, I'm not going to be hanging from upside what, down. What, are we just going to fight each other half a second after one of them <laughs> smacks the other in the head? Like, you're good. Smack. It's like, what is your fucking problem? But every time he kept hitting him, I kept hearing that noise. <laughs> so that would be pretty. The NBA just started doing this. They started doing, like, superhero night. On mm-hmm. the basketball thing, and they they superimpose. What? Yeah, this is a real thing. They superimpose graphics to where like you hit a three and it looks like fireworks go off or a slime machine, like that type of thing. Yeah, the NFL's been doing that with the SpongeBob. Yeah, and yeah, they the did NFL it with uh, Marvel Comics, I think, as well. And they've been huge. Be awesome, be awesome I, in the I'm UFC. Gonna, I want to like. I want to like go deep into my personal experience with that just because I would go to like farm league hockey games and every part of the game would be auctioned off and it would grind everything to a halt because like graphics had to play. They treated every everything that could happen like it was a strike in bowling where it needed this like four minute little thing on the jumbotron to play. And well, it, this it was isn't just very quite annoying. that, but it is a cousin. This is similar but different where you score and it's instantaneous graphics because we can actually do that with technology now. It's a cool thing. ABC has the technology. So does NBC. But that would be interesting in a fight thing. Like if somebody got, for example, kicked in the face and Tweety Birds (laughs) escaped from their (laughs) head and just ran around, I'm in. I'm I'm not against it. Why not even go the full mile and get the rights to whatever anime these nerds like? Because one guy who ended up winning <laughs> is a huge anime fan, so I've heard. Jordan Wright, who is a bipoxy friend of the show, uh, ended up winning with a series of elbow strikes that, uh, man, I was driving in the car and I had that on in the background. And I really wasn't looking at it and I just heard the elbow strikes and I said, okay, I believe you, you won that one. I don't need to see it. I'm just pretty sure you did win. So good for you, sir. I would tell you as well, uh, Andrea Lee ended up with a triangle armbar that Kevin, I kid you not, she had on for the better part of the second round, like almost four minutes plus of a triangle that you just kept thinking like, this is done. She's done. This has got to be done. Three minutes later. Oh my God, this is still happening. Is she going to make it to the end of the round? She can't. Oh, she got the submission. Thank God. Okay. But it was very impressive. She got it with eight Um, seconds left in the second round. That is correct. And I would also tell you of one technical submission that made us all sad. And um, it was the main event of the prelims. Bradley, do you have anything on this fight? Ow. Just, just, ow. Well, tell the, tell the people which fight it was and why is it ow? I, I <laughs> Jacare Souza suffered quite uh, a big loss against 
uh, Andre with a round one submission that uh, is just his arm is is Chris Weidman's leg. It's it's broke. It did um, snap, Kev. It, so yeah, Phillips. Uh, there's a moment where you do see Andre Munez get the back of Jacare in control. Jacare in that transition looks like he's going to dump him. Almost looks like he's about to spike him on the top of his head. Uh, Munez kind of holds on a little bit and turns it into what almost looks like a Frank Mir armbar but it's while someone's just stuck so that when Jacare is trying to pull his arm out in just one giant motion, it just snaps instead. And it was gross and sad. Yeah. And also I didn't want to see it a ton, but they definitely played it a lot. And, uh, you know, Jacare was all smiles afterwards. He's just like, yeah, you know, my arm, it's dead. I, I feel like his immediate thought was just, I got to make everyone feel better about what just happened. <laughs> well, I'm glad he did because I sure did not feel better for a while. Yeah. So there is that. Um, Kevin, do you have any other questions? This is Kay Phillips. Do you have any other questions about this card? Did he actually break it? Yeah, he's going to have yeah. to go into surgery. Okay, <laughs> well, you know, it turns out that video, while great, is another example of youth can answer some questions, age can't. <laughs> and it's a tough thing for us to all embrace, but it is a real thing for us to all embrace. So I'm good. I'm good. with. I've heard all I need to hear. That's what I was worried was going to happen and expected because Mooney's was not. For everyone that sees Jacare, especially if you have zero fucking clue what you're talking about, you're like, oh, well, they'd never put somebody who's great at jiu-jitsu against him. That would be stupid. Well, they did, and it wasn't. He's youthful, and he's good. Sucks. Yeah. Just not great. So, Kev, were you trying to make some sort of weird parallel analogy here? I could, except eight to four isn't really an age, and it's not an apology, but it is a score. It's a score that reflects what happened the last time a Kevin thought he could wander into my territory. And Kevin on me. You can't Kevin on me. I was raised in the Midwest, where white guys named Kevin outnumber the trees. This was in my DNA. I had no choice but to dismantle my opponent in such an aggressive manner. Was that the question? I don't think it was. I was just trying to see if you had a weird penchant. I beat his ass. I won. Okay. The Titanic lost a nightmare on Kevin Street significantly. (laughs) Ain't no no city slicker Kevin going to come to a country Kevin, I guess. (laughs) I don't know what that means either, but... You you, well, you got to speak, Kevin. Actually, it's not. It's good that we talked about this because there was a moment where a Kevin lost on this card, and mm-hmm. we yeah. had a, we had a whole text exchange, and finally we just decided that you know Darren Aguilar was going to enjoy his new name because Kevin <laughs> wasn't equipped for him. He lost to someone named Tucker. Oh. <laughs> These are tough times. 
But I think our guest is going to be able to reconcile those feelings when he has to give up the Kevin name in a video consulting this exact podcast that does exist. People can't Brad, take that away from us. Have I, you given any thought to what name you will be going by in that video? Shay, maybe? Ha! Huh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've... I've thought about it a lot. You kind of look uh, like a tailor. Is that helpful? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I was. How, how about this? I got like a few suggestions, and you, I, you can, you can say yay or nay because you have final say. I'm in. <laughs> I feel like that. That's only appropriate. I was thinking I could try Dylan on for a little mm-hmm. bit. See mm-hmm. if I rock. I could be a good Dylan. Mm-hmm. That no. I, that's how I see you, but that's the colorful gee. That's your fault. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, I or you or you. It's your responsibility. I mean, how I, do you see it? I know. Hey, no, 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 Kev. I know what I'm about. You don't gotta. You don't gotta make excuses. Um, if not Dylan, I could be like a Bart, like a Bartholomew. You could um, be. You have the toughness and you have the beauty. It's a tough. Yeah, it's, it's a, a tough it's name a to pull. Soft, off, it's a soft like grace. Yeah, I think I embody. I like I'd Bartholomew. Love see, I'd love a lot. to see if I could rock like being Raph. No. 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 You don't like default into a majestic name. Oh right. Yeah. Not how that works. You lose, and then you go. Well, I guess I'm gonna be named Raph. Plus, what kind of message are you sending to people on this is podcast? Raph like, wait, are we sure Raph is an upgrade? K- KP, I'd love to get your. No, it on. definitely is. And then we also have to text Rafael Lovato, who's pretty protective. Uh, oh no, it's no, like, no, no, it's no, no, a no, lot no. of it's a lot of red tape. I'm gonna tell you yeah. right now, the name Hoffa comes with responsibility. <laughs> yeah. Tell and me how bureaucracy. that text chain goes. Huh. There is no amount finish of messaging pain. all of the no You're forgetting about Mendez. We also have to go through one of the Mendezes. I forget, but one of them I think is a Hoffa. Mm-hmm. Is the Ninja Turtle in the text chain at all? Yes. Yeah, shit. Donatello. He never responds, but <laughs> Raphael is always like, I'm off on my own mission for 30 minutes. Come find me in Act 2. It just makes meetings harder. It's not like inconvenient necessarily, but it does make meetings harder. That's why it's so funny when people saw Wolverine and the X-Men movies. They go, oh, he's so cool. He's going off on his own. I was like, we've seen that before. <laughs> with a better named character. Thank and some you. size. But we'll expect your oh. one minute video. And, you know, we, we ultimately trust your creative judgment. We don't. But I'm, I'm trying to pump you up here. Mm-hmm. Do we lose him? Hey guys, I'm I'm here. No, K Brad's Hello? here. Yeah, can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you guys. Cool. Okay, Bradley, what do you have to say as a result of your loss? What have you learned? What do you think that you're gonna take back to your show, the Dog and Pony Show that it is, having learned from this show? Well, I am one. I'm I'm very grateful you got like you both could have gone into me for my loss a lot harder than you have, and I I appreciate the mercy you've you've displayed. I like the fact that our show is not going to be wanting for a Kevin because we we have a, a very large Kevin already, so we'll never be without. Um, 
Yeah, I think that uh, I've I've been humbled, and I'll bring that humility and and perspective back to the JJT podcast and other podcasts that I may or may not start, or media projects I may or may not start in the future. So. Kevin Phillips, do you have any parting words for him? I do, and I'm going to tell you what I told Randy Couture when he lost his one and only fight in 2002 from elbows. <laughs> it's not about how hard they elbow you. It's about how you get back up. And I want you to think about that because I think it's going to be really helpful. <laughs> I, I mean, this is the lowest. I, I've, you know, not to really milk this thing, but I've been attacked by drug dealers. And yet yeah. still, this is the lowest moment of my life right now. That's what Randy said about UFC 39, the Warriors return. <laughs> exactly. Like, this yeah. is a tough loss for me. It was like, it is. I'm yeah. like a New England Randy Couture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's that's always how I've seen myself. Yeah, new Randy. Is what yeah, maybe, new maybe that's what we'll call you. Randy! I'm all set. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Brads, where can the people find you? Where can they listen to your show? All right, everybody. You can catch uh, my work with the Jiu-Jitsu Times and the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast on their website. Also, the Jiu-Jitsu Times SoundCloud. And on Apple iTunes and Spotify. Um, I'll also be releasing some some future projects to my own YouTube channel. That's uh, currently going under the title Under Pressure TV. So watch out for that. And as well as my written work, you can catch all of that on the Aces Jiu-Jitsu Club blog. I do weekly roundups on all the goings-on in the world of MMA and BJJ. So go check that out for other cool writers if I'm not. Not your cup of tea, but uh, thank you, Raph, and the superior Kevin, Kevin Phillips, for let, letting me come on the show and gab with y'all. It's been great. Big thanks and big apology to Josh Barnett, who also beat the show at Randy Couture in 2002 with DKO punches. Mostly just eating, though. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Bradley will be back on the show. Thank you for listening to Verbal Tap. Raph, do you have anything to say? I mean, I'll tell you this. We did get a few notes from people Gross. who I guess may have been listening to our <sighs> casual dropped reference on one Jordan Peitzman and his subspectrum. Oh, oh no. <laughs> the other Jordan? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The the Jordan Peitzman. Made up last name. Yeah. Yeah. Still fake. Still a lot of drugs. And uh, they were, you know, he was trying to uh, correct us and tell us information about uh, Subspectrum still being in that building, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I didn't pay attention to it. I just know he tagged us, and I really don't care. So <laughs> I am happy to report false information about Subspectrum going forward. It's no skin off my back. Kevin, do you have a non-true fact? about subspectrum that you would like to just kind of tell the people that maybe we just haven't told them before. I actually do. And they be lining down the block just to listen to what I got. No. Fortress no. to Ono. Uh, uh, what? They keep them sings on the block for the subspectrum lock. I don't I don't actually remember the lyrics specifically and I'm it's I've kind of like got away from the page now. You swung for the fences on that, though, and that's fucking incredible that you did. I appreciate that. It's hot, hot. Go ahead. Yeah. I brought the lyrics back up. While we were I'm chatting. just going to tell people this. 
Uh, Fergie is trash. If you need to remember that she's trash, go look up literally any live performance she has given. But specifically the NBA Finals. Yes. Is the, the, but... I love her. I disagree with everything he said except for the finals thing. You should go listen to that. You you disagree with the fact that she physically threatened. I'm not my trying to have family. a two hour conversation here as we end the podcast. Disrespectful. I need to know real quick: is this like a a bit in joke? Like no, this nope. is a real thing brand new. Okay, Brad, real welcome thing. to the live situation that is verbal tap. Sometimes Raf and I find out. We fucking hate each other. <laughs> we really do. And I got a minute. I want to hear that story. Turns out we disagree about Fergie because he's an asshole and I'm willing to settle. Well, if she threatened his family, <laughs> I don't think that's unreasonable. He's so full of shit. She threatened your family. Go ahead, Rav. When do you think this happened, Kevin? Would you, you say that I'm just making up that she threatened my family? I think that that is not accurate. When does she threaten your family? Well, what? maybe if you listen carefully okay. to her songs, you would know that she represents Hacienda Heights. How would you know that? She throws out casual references like Happy Homes, a subset of places in the Hacienda Heights region. But yes, she apparently threatened my sister and then realized who my other sister was and then was like, oh, nobody messes with her and tried to be your best friend. And if you know anything about my sister, <laughs> you know that she literally is unfazed by anything. <laughs> so just imagine Fergie trying to make like a big to do of this whole thing after being on Kids Incorporated, thinking she's hot shit and then immediately being like, yeah, no, you're cool, right? Like, we're awesome. And my sister going like, I don't care who you are. I don't want to be around you. Fun I... fact, Fergie stole the phrase, I'll be tasty, tasty, from one of Raph's sisters. <laughs> you, you heard I really, I hope that that is the case. But I will let you know that once I heard that story from my sisters, I um, used to do DJing for my friends at, at parties at houses. And anytime at that point, somebody had a Fergie request I would look at them and say, not on my fucking watch. And I'm talking, this is right at the peak of solo Fergie, my humps. They want to hear it. I was like, I will under no circumstances play that song. And they'd go, but she's so cool. And I was like, well, fuck her. And you can tell her that if you ever see her coming from the sister's brother that she thinks is fucking cool. I, I think I had a stroke during that. Perfect. You had a stroke, and yet you still were trying to figure out ways to tell us how you agreed with me 40 minutes ago into the show. You Marxist. <laughs> <laughs> you, you just couldn't be more on Karl Marx's sympathy right. train. Raph, I'm, I'm, I'm hitting the... We should... I just got to clean my room and, and read 12 Steps for Life. That's that's what I got to do right now. <laughs> I don't exactly follow that reference, but I'm calling this. Raph, end this podcast, please. Do, good who night and it? good... And you know what? No, hold on. Good night and fuck Fergie. <laughs> Go Marxism. I, I'm on Bradley's side all of a sudden as this... <laughs>
number you have dialed has been changed. The new number is... Please note, the new number is... 